0: Here's Pastor Scott. In John 15:1, Jesus is speaking, and he said, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Verse 8 says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God Wants True Disciples. Disciples, pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us this place to gather in your name. And we ask you, God, now to speak to us, teach us what you'd have us to know. God, I pray that you'd anoint my mouth and my mind to say the things that would honor you. And I pray that you'd reveal yourself to us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Last month, I started in this passage of scripture and I. Uh, preached out of verse 1 telling you about Jesus being the vine, and we talked about he's the only true vine, and in the original language, he said, I am the vine, the true, and he was making a very definitive statement that I wish everyone understood in today's world that there is only one way to be connected to God. Jesus said it many different ways. He said he's The true vine, he said, I am the only door to get into heaven. And if anyone tries to come any other way, they're a thief and a liar. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. Now, it doesn't matter what pop culture says, it doesn't matter what modern people say, it doesn't matter. That Oprah, you can Google it, go to YouTube and watch it. It doesn't matter that Oprah told the ar- largest daytime audience in television history that Jesus cannot possibly be the only way to God because, with so many people and so many routes to God, God can be one thing to you and a different thing to someone else. But I want you to know the Bible says it's of no private interpretation. It can't mean one thing to me and a different thing to you. It can't be my truth and it can't be your truth. It's God's truth, and Jesus is the only way. Mm, I wish everybody was following along. So I, I want us to pick up here and go over this great teaching of the Lord. I, I told you that Jesus here is divine, that we are the branches, and the fruit is supposed to be things that grow off our lives, things that people can see hanging off our Our lives. I showed you some pictures of some grapevines, and I told you when people drive past the vineyard, they don't see the root. All they can see is the fruit. Jesus is the connector from the fruit to the root. God is the source of everything. Jesus is the vine that connects the branches to God. And I want us to think again about that fruit. It ought to be what people see hanging off you if people had to use one or two words to describe you what would they say your life ought to look like what God says it ought to look like the, Jesus told us we'll know people by the fruit that they bear and uh, I talked to you about Galatians 5 22. I want us to see it again on the screen but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit In our lives. If you've ever wondered what God wants your life to look like, this is what people ought to see dripping off you, hanging off you. As you go in and out, this ought to come with you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and control or self control. And the Bible says there's no law against these things, there's nothing to slow these things down, there's nothing to hold these things back if your life doesn't look like these nine things then you've got some work to do how many people can agree I'll be the first one to say I've got some work to do amen all right I got the right crowd but are we willing to do the work oh man if you ever knew anything about gardening and I've told you you got to understand Jesus taught in a specific way more than any other way he taught first natural then spiritual Remember when Nicodemus came to him by night and wanted to find out about how to truly uh, get to heaven, Jesus told him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus was like, well, how can I go back in my mother's womb? And he said, no, 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 no. You're missing the whole point. If you can't understand things in the natural, how can you understand them in the spiritual? He talked to fishermen about fishing terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. He told Peter, who was a natural fisherman, you should be Fishers of what? See, he would take natural things and apply spiritual truth to them. And in this passage of Scripture, he's talking about some natural things. And they understood the grapevine. The grapevines we talked about last time were sculpted into the gates, entering into the temple. Uh, It was the national symbol for the people at that time. And it represented strength and lots of different things to them. And what Jesus was saying is he is the only real connector, not your nationality, not your race, not your theology, not your church, not your preacher. Jesus is the only thing that connects you to God. Can anybody agree with that? And now we want to talk about how to get these nine types of fruit manifesting in our lives because i agree with what many people have said about why they don't go to church a lot of people say they don't go to church because they went and they didn't see what they were looking for they went and they didn't like what they saw or that too many hypocrites go to church if christians began to manifest these nine things that god says are the fruit that the spirit produces in our life everybody would love christians if Christians were kind and loving and 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 gentle and, and patient, everybody wants to be around somebody like that. Jesus, I see these guys, and I feel bad for them. I saw one this past week. Uh, I rolled down the window to try to listen to what he was saying. These guys, they, they stand on stepladders on corners and scream into bull horns, you're all going to hell. And I know they've got a heart for souls, and I thank God for that. And I believe in uh, evangelism, and we need to take the gospel to everyone, but... I think that there's a way where we can share the gospel with people without being so negative acting. I told you all about when I was growing up, Jacksonville used to have all the best concerts in the world. In the 70s, Jacksonville had every group coming through, and there was always this lady at the front. And she was, you know, Church of God, uh, holiness, uh, how do you know, Pastor? Because she had no makeup on, hair to the floor, an address to the floor, and a sign with flames licking on it that said, uh, repent or burn. Turn or, uh, thank you, turn or burn. And I, I, I used to think, as a lost person, I used to see that. But I grew up in church, and I, I used to think, oh, yeah, baby, you're making me want to rush up to your religion right now. No. Now, I feel like the Apostle Paul. Paul said, any way and every way Christ is preached, I rejoice. I hope she reaches some people that way. I hope the guy screaming into the bullhorn reaches some people that way. But Jesus said that the world would know that we're his followers by the way we love each other. Well, that's the first thing mentioned in this list. And we're a Bible teaching church, so we talk a lot about biblical principles to help us understand. It's called theologically hermeneutics, the art and science of properly interpreting Scripture. And when we see these lists, I've taught you in the past that there is almost always, not always, some exceptions, but almost always there is a law of priority listing. It's the first thing is usually the most dominant thing. It's like on the the back of food labels, on the back of uh, cleaning things. They put whatever the strongest ingredients are first. And I want to tell you this, the world needs to see Christians to be more loving. Uh, If we were all where we needed to be, we could just go right into the invitation right there. We need to be a better representation of God's love everywhere we go. I've, I've been telling people. Uh, for 40-plus years as a pastor, and, and usually it's wives uh, asking how they can reach their husbands for Christ. And I've told them all the same thing, and praise God, we've, we've seen it work as a result of them taking good advice. We, we're not going to reach people. By nagging them and Bible beating them, we're not going to reach people by pointing out their faults. We're not listen. You're not going to reach your loved ones by telling them to stop drinking and stop hoeing. Even if they stop drinking and stop hoeing, that ain't going to get them into heaven. That's just that's just issues. We 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 need to fall so in love with Jesus that we are just dripping with the fruit of the Spirit. That they say, I, I don't like the way you used to nag me, but I know I need what you've got. And if we would do that, we would see the whole world change. This this morning, uh, I want to talk to you uh, about some things. Uh, I want to talk to you from this passage about what God wants from us, what God wants to do through us, and the ultimate desire God has for this process. Number one, what God wants from us, he wants us to be saved. He wants us to to be saved. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world that you might be saved. God wants us to be saved. Jesus declared his personal mission statement in Luke 19 and 10 when he said, the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. God wants us to be saved, I hope you can check number one off your to-do list. But if you can't, you need to make sure that you get salvation right. If you get anything right in life, let it be salvation. I talk to people everywhere I go about salvation. I don't ask, I don't tell people I'm a pastor unless they ask. I ask people questions. I ask them, uh, where do they go to church? What do they believe about how to get to heaven? And I hear more than anything when I ask people, are they a Christian? I hope so. That's a bad answer, y'all. This, this, this isn't like saying, I hope my team wins today. You know, you, you, you're not going to spend eternity in hell forever if your team loses today. You got to make sure. God said in 1 John chapter 5, these things have I written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to be connected to Jesus, because Jesus is the true vine. In verse 1, Jesus says that very thing. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He listen, listen to what he goes on to say. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do produce fruit, so they will produce even more. And then he says, you have already been pruned, and purified by the message I have given you. Now, we're looking at first natural, then spiritual. We're talking about a vineyard. We're talking about a gardener. We're talking about branches. We're talking about fruit. All this is representative of things in the spiritual realm. And Jesus shows this example that every gardener knows. If you want your rose bushes to look better, you got to get out there with a pair of sniffs every now and then and cut back the dead stuff. You got to prune, say prune you got to prune away some things. Now, let me tell you something about the pruning process. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. Some of y'all got some stuff hanging. uh, Y'all got your fruit uh, on the inside, deep on the inside where we can't see it yet. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but you got all that you got all that dead wood and, and and sucker branches and and limbs all in the way of people being able to see what God wants them to be able to see and i want you to know the pruning process is necessary but it's painful now there are some people They're not theologians. They might call themselves theologians, but there are some quasi-theologians who believe that there are saved people and lost people represented in this passage. Uh, We'll see before we leave here that that's completely not the truth. The people who are getting pruned are Christians. The people who are getting purified are Christians. Uh, Look at verse 2 on on the screen. He said, he cuts off every branch of whose. Woo, even if you don't have a lot of fruit hanging off you, you better be thankful that you're a branch of His. Because if you're not a branch of His, you got more trouble than fruit. He said, I, He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Comma. What do we do on Comma, church? we got to pause. Pay attention to the punctuation when you read Scripture or anything. It'll help your comprehension. He said, He, God the Father, Cuts off every branch of mine, those who belong to Jesus, praise God, that doesn't produce fruit, comma. Pause on it. Think about it. Why? Now, what, why would Jesus say that there are branches that belong to him that don't produce fruit? Because there are. There are. There are actually, I'm going to say it, I believe from my viewpoint, I've met more people who claim to be Christians, Then I've met people who have lots of fruit. You can be a branch with no fruit, but it's not going to work out well for you, and it's not going to serve God's plan for your life. Because when you don't produce fruit, he prunes the branches. uh, he, He cuts off the branches that don't produce fruit. Now, if you say, well, that sounds like a lost person. Dog, no, get over 1 Corinthians and read. Paul taught the, uh, the church at Corinth, there's a sin not unto death. I don't say that you should pray for it. He was saying that there are some Christians that just won't live right, won't live right, won't live right. And uh, some denominations call it a premature removal from the earth. God will take you out for, uh, he'll take his child out for stubbornness rather than to let them continue to live. That's, that's, you know, we could talk about that at a later time, but what you need to know is if you're not producing fruit, God is going to do something to your life. Say something. Then it goes on past the comma and says and. What does and mean, church? There's more. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. I want to tell you something. You can't sell this on a mega church level. And I thank God he didn't call me to sell. He called me to tell. And I'm not trying to sell anything to people today because the reality is this. If you ever start living for God, he's going to cut on you. And it's going to hurt. If you ever decide to put God first, he's going to take the shears to your life. And he's going to cut at that pride. And he's going to cut at that negativity. And he's going to cut at that carnality. And he's going to take stuff away from you that you're trying to hold on to. Well, I don't want that. I know. I get it. It, it, It's a tough process. Some people call it being sanded by the Holy Ghost. He, he, He sands off our rough edges. And I want to tell you something. God's got his shears in his hand. And he's either going to cut you off or he's going to prune you. Those are your options. Now, if you get cut off, you become useless. If you get pruned, you become useful. you got to decide which kind of cutting you want. See, the bad news is you're going to get cut either way. The good news is you get to decide what that cutting results in. Jesus told them plainly in verse 3, you have already been pruned. And purified. He's talking to prude and purified, but he's talking to Christians. You've had some of it happen in your life. How many of you know when you get saved, God does a massive cutting on your heart? The, the Bible says that true followers of Christ, true Jews, the scripture says, are not those who have been circumcised into flesh outwardly, but those of us who have been circumcised in the heart, that's cutting. That, what, what's cutting do? It, it? It's the cutting away. What's circumcision do? It's the cutting away of unnecessary flesh. How many of y'all know there's a lot of unnecessary flesh inside the body of Christ? It's got to be cut away. It's got to be cut away. And this is the job of the gardener. This is what the father does. He cuts you away if you're bearing fruit so you can bear more fruit. But it starts with the pruning and the purifying. And this is a message for people who've been already purified. Jesus said, you have already been purified. This is people who are connected to Jesus. So God wants us to be saved. But not only that, uh, God wants us to be totally dependent on him. God wants us to be totally dependent on him. There's One of my favorite authors is uh, a guy from the U.K., and it, uh, I don't even, he's probably not alive anymore. He was old. I, last time I saw him was in the 80s, and he was 172 then. Uh, he looked it. Probably wasn't. That'd be a record. But uh, his name is Major W. Ian e. Thomas. And I've, I've given you guys this quote before, and it is an incredible concept. It's, it's wordy, and it's hard to catch. and uh, It's one of those books where you've got to sit down and think about what you're reading. But he said this talking about Jesus and God. He said, if we'll be to him what he was to God, then he'll be to us what God was to him. If we will be to Jesus what Jesus was to God, then Jesus will be to us what God was to him. So what was Jesus to God? Totally dependent at all times. He said, I don't come to declare myself. I don't speak any word of myself. I only do what the Father tells me to do. Total dependence on God. So what was God for Jesus? Totally sufficient. Jesus didn't need everything that we think we need. Why? Because he had the Father, and that was enough. And we live in a day and a time where people honestly think that God ain't enough. And that's why we have all these self-empowerment clinics, and you're awesome, and, and we got all these people walking around. I, I've looked at the majority of Christian songs that are singing. They're singing more stuff about what, uh, me, what people are than what God is. In the old church, we sang about the greatness of God. In the new church, we sing about, I'm going to stomp, stomp, stomp on the devil. Well, the devil's been stomping on you for so long. How are you going to reverse that? We need to get to a place where we are totally dependent on God. If you look at the book of the Revelation and you see where Jesus talks to about the seven churches that are representative of the churches around the world. And he tells the one church, he said, I I have something against you. What what do you have against them? Anybody remember? They had left their first love. You left your first. First love, and that's representative of the modern-day church. We, we are Christians, but we have, many of us have left our first love. Now, some of y'all uh, may or may not have had your first love. I'm talking natural. Some of y'all may have had it, and it went sour, and you're mad about it. Uh, but I want you to try to think about what first love, I'm talking about puppy love. I'm talking about young love. I'm talking about, he likes me. Oh, my gosh, he likes me. He likes me. He likes me. I'm talking about falling asleep on the phone because you refuse to hang up, and she won't hang up either. I'm talking about waking up with a phone mark on the side of your head because you both stayed I'm talking about falling asleep the next day at school and at work because you stayed up all night making sure that she wasn't the one that hung up. Now, that's love. That's first love. That, now, now you mess around and catch somebody with a little bit of age on them, you're not going to get all that, oh, he likes me. You're going to get You ain't about to do me the way the last one did me. They don't know first love. First love went south on them. You might want to keep it pushing, brothers. You might want to step past that and say, well, I'm going to leave you for the next one. First love. See, think about first love. Think about when when you were first fully just crazy. You you didn't. I, I just I just can't I can't breathe without him in the room. I just oh my god I can't I can't live. I have to talk to him. You've been on the phone too many times. I have to say good night to him. Just dependent, dependent. Just got to have it. Got to have it. Got to have it. God wants us to be that way with Him. Are you totally dependent on God? I'm going to answer for you. No. None of us, but we need to be. That's where the blessing is. Stop saying, I tried tithing and it didn't work for me. I tried reading my Bible and I didn't understand. It's not something to try. It's something to fully devote everything to. God told us through Jeremiah that you will only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. This is not a part-time religion. This ain't a Sunday-go-to-meeting church uh, religion. Now, the churches that are thriving in America, they put on a big show on Sunday morning, got amazing parking lots, beautiful facilities, paid-for bands and singers and excellent orators who tell the people ten steps to financial freedom and five ways to get along in the workplace and great motivational speeches, the largest... Church right now in America, pastored by Joel Osteen, I got no problem with Joel. Uh, I'm just telling you what he said. He said, I'm not really a pastor. I'm much more of a motivational speaker. And I'd have gave him a high five if I'd have been close enough to him. They're not preaching total. Listen, you know what happens if you pastor a church and you preach total dependency on God? They're gonna leave. And we are like, "Oh, like, you just ought to be glad I showed up. I don't care if you show up. You know what happens if you pastor a church, you tell people you don't care if they show up? They don't show up. But here's the thing. I've read this book many times, and I know what God's going to judge me for. God's going to judge me for what I taught. God's going to judge me for what I did with what he gave me. He didn't tell me anything about how many people to put in his church. He told me to preach the truth in season and out of season. And the truth is, if you want God's blessing on your life, if you see, here's why we never jumped on these, these, these catchy things. Now, we did jump on, let me, let me see how many people have been in the church more than 22 years. Uh, uh, God is good and all the time. We jumped on that for a minute, but then I thought, hey, they don't mean it. I ain't about to say that. They don't mean it. But we never jumped on the, the, the hold up your Bible. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says. I could never bring our church to say that because I ain't met anybody who is what it says they are. I ain't met anybody who has what they say they can have, and I ain't met anybody who's doing what they say it can do. That is a process that we ought to be working toward, but nobody's there yet. God, you, you want to start moving forward in your spirituality? You, well, pastor, I'm ready to be all that God wants me to be. Okay, well, it starts with salvation, and then it requires total dependency on him. Not I go to church on Sunday and I give my money when I feel like it. Not I read my Bible a couple times a week, especially if I'm depressed. Not, not I think about God when a song that I like comes on. Total dep- You know, now here's the thing. That's the reason why Ashlyn covered her face when I screamed like a girl. Wave it, everybody, Ashlyn. Well, you're not even 14 anymore. You're 15. 16. You just keep getting older. What's wrong with you? But she she understands. She remembers what it's like to be a 14-year-old girl. And I think that that puppy love, that first love, I think that's most seen. in. you want to see totally dependent, I can't breathe without him. It's that, ah! It's, it's my, When you got saved, and this is why so many people say, Pastor, I just wish I could be as excited as I was when I first got saved. I just wish I could go back to that place where I I was just so on fire when I first got saved. That was your first love. That was your introductory love. That was your first, oh, my God, I love him, I love him. The sky was bluer because of Jesus. The birds sang pretty because of Jesus. And the rain was because, everything was because of Jesus. But then you let life happen to you. And you back up from that first love, and you stop being totally dependent on Him. You hear people say, and, and it's just, I, I hope some of them mean it. I I, I see it a lot in sports. Uh, people want to say, well, first of all, giving thanks and glory to God and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, if they throw my Savior, Jesus Christ in there, that's better than, uh, uh, yo, 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 just want to give props to the big man upstairs, shout-outs to everybody, R.I.P. Biggie. <laughs> that's not nearly as, you know, saying as much as to my Lord and say, but it's one thing to say that I wouldn't be here. And I'm thankful uh, that that people step step out and say that on, on national television, that they wouldn't be here, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. But I want you to get it in your mind, not just as a speech to say to a microphone, but in every minute of every day, I can't make it without Jesus. I can't make it without Jesus. Not just that. I, I, I know some of you have lived lived lives uh, that that have have been out there, and you can honestly say you could have been dead and gone. The devil could have took you out. The, you, there were plenty of times where it could have went bad, but God. But even if you've lived a squeaky clean life and haven't seen that side of the world's existence, you ought to know I wouldn't have air in my lungs but God. I wouldn't have an atmosphere that allowed me to live on this planet. But, God, you, you ought to learn how to give thanks. I told you all, so many people are wondering, when are we going to see the miraculous? It's a miracle that you're still in your right mind and got clothes on your back. When are we going to praise God for everything? Two people. All right, I'm going to quit preaching and wind this up. In verse 4, Jesus said, remain in me. We're talking about being totally dependent. He said, and I will remain in you. Oh, man, every time I got this, I got that passage out of uh, James, draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh. I'm going to I'm gonna have to look it up, because y'all always tell me the wrong people who sang that song. Darling, if you want me to be closer to you, get what? Say they they buck that out of the Bible. They, Jesus said, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Listen, you need to step toward God. Too much talk in the body of Christ. Too many churches talking about backsliders. Uh, What we need is front sliders. We need somebody to say, you know what? I know for sure I got number one on lock. I'm saved. I know it. I ain't no doubt in my mind, God saved me. Okay? Well, you need to move into step two, and you need to be totally dependent on God. Because too many people have been talking about what they used to do. When they were really in love with God, and what they're going to do in the next phase of their life, but nothing's getting done. And Jesus said, Remain in me. This is in the active, this is in the imperative active tense. It means there's something you have to do, and you have to do it constantly. You got to remain in Him. I tell you all the time, you got to get up and you got to get your focus on God, and then when the world moves your focus off, what do you do? Refocus. You ought to be living a life every day of focus and refocus, focus and refocus. You ought to live a life when you come to church. You're trying to listen to the word of God, try to listen past my antics and, and, and my accent and, and get to what God has to say for you. And then you'll see somebody whispering, somebody, and you, I wonder what they're talking about. Mm, I wonder if Pastor's going to call them down. And now you're wondering all types of stuff instead of listening to the word. And we've got to have this con- consistency of remaining in him. Well, people tell me all the time, you know, Pastor, I was flipping the dials the other day. You know what it means when someone says they're flipping the dials and they landed on some TV program that they don't normally watch? They they mean they were sitting there watching it for hours and they wanted to tell me what they saw. But they don't want to admit they were sitting there watching it for hours. I've been doing this a long time. Pastor, I was flipping the channels the other day and I came across this song. uh And you knew every word of it, so you stayed on it. Um, When you find yourself either figuratively or literally flipping the channels in life, going through your mind, thinking about things that aren't how much you love God and God's plan for your life, you need to refocus and get back to God. Don't don't live this life of having a quiet time in the morning, driving to work in rush hour traffic, being frustrated by people who don't know how to drive. Stop calling them Floridians because they moved here from somewhere else just like you did. and. You did get to work and have to deal with hard-necked people all day long, getting mad, getting in your car. You're like a bear, just want to bite the head off anything. And, and, and then you get home and got to rush through dinner, deal with kids, didn't do the homework, got to sign this piece of paper. Your teacher want to have a counseling session with you. You're working nine jobs, ain't got time for all that. And then you finally go to lay down and think, well, I guess I ought to say my prayers. That's got no refocus. That's got no dependency on Christ. That's a false narrative. You get up and say your prayers the morning. that's great. I told you, you ought to say hello to God before your feet touch the ground. You ought to thank God for life and, and the day before your feet touch the ground. And you certainly ought to thank God for, the, for life before you close your eyes at night. But do it throughout the day. I'd love for you just to start acting like you're dependent on him for every step. dependent on him for every breath. All day, every day. And watch how God does it. One, one, one theologian said it this way. Keep short accounts with God. Don't wait till the end of the day to ask God to forgive you for cussing somebody out on I-10. To cut you off. Oh, y'all want to act like that didn't happen? Don't, don't, don't wait till the end of the day for, for asking God to deliver you from continuing to look at that person that you ain't married to. Oh, y'all want to act like that didn't happen. When it happens, pretend like you believe God saw it. Man, people are more scared of the preacher than they are of God. That's ridiculous. That means they don't know God for real. I told y'all about the twirling beer can. I'm going to tell it to you again. Because we need to have this kind of lifestyle for God and not the preacher. When, when uh, we first started this church in 2001, there was only 15 of us, so I used to go around and see people all the time. And I drove up. Uh, we were in Middleburg. I drove down this dirt road, and they could hear you coming. And this man was standing out in his wa- yard watering his garden. And as he saw my truck, now let me tell you something about hide and seek. If you can see them, Okay. They can see you. All right? So he sees me coming up. He's out in front of his trailer watering his garden and all I see is a beer can going bloop bloop. He took that thing and threw it. And every time it would go it would spit out it all the way to the other side of the trailer and he put his hand behind his back. And I said, what's going on, man? He said, oh, preacher, good to see you. I'm just out here watering the garden. His name was Harold. I said, Harold. Either the back of your head's on fire or that cigarette you're hiding behind your back. Oh, you saw that. Oh, Oh, I didn't mean you to see that. I said, yeah, you didn't have to waste that can of beer. Oh, you saw that. I didn't mean you to see that. Do you know that God sees every can of beer you toss over the back of your trailer and he sees every cigarette you hide from the preacher and he sees every intent of your heart? Remain. Remain in him. Don't step in and step out. Well, I just do me for a minute. <laughs> the world don't need to see us doing us. And for all you individuals out there, well, I got to do me, me. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm just unique. Uh, you're going to die and go to hell forever. Because God ain't looking for unique people. God is looking for disciples. You know what disciples do? They march in line on time. And they do what they're told to do. He said, remain in me. When you turn your radio on, are you remaining in him? When you turn your TV on, are you remaining in him? When you sit down to read, listen, do you know how rich every church in America would be if all the money men spend on pornography and all the money women spend on romance novels was all of a sudden transferred into local churches across America? We'd have so much money, we'd just be giving it away about a bucket full to everybody in the community. Remain. Now, we try to get into God on Sunday morning when it's church, let me get my mind right and go to church. You ought to have your mind right before you went to bed. Amen, amen. He said, remain in me and I'll remain in you. What a great promise. They stole that in that song. If you want me to be close to you, get close to me. He, he said, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it, is, if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Some of you, your life is a wreck. Some of you don't have all the money you want. Some of you don't feel fulfilled in life. Why? Because you have severed yourself from the vine. You spend more time doing you than remaining in God. And you wonder well, I go to church when I can, I give some money when I can, I read the word when I can. That's not remaining. That's not consistency. The Bible says God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. If you're not being overcome in blessings, then either the Bible is a lie or you are not doing your job. Because the scripture says that a faithful person abounds in blessing. And when you're not abounding in blessing, it's because you're a branch trying to live apart from the vine, verse 5, says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. Listen to this last sentence. For apart from me, you can do nothing. There's a man that grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. He was one of the early pioneers of what they call Christian rock music. Uh, think of that what you want to think of it. But he was a long-haired dude uh, try, trying to sing about Jesus to a church full of people that were condemning long-haired dudes. And God is, God, I tell y'all, and I've told y'all, God is more concerned with your inside than he is with your outside. But this dude's name, I'll give you his first name, see if you know his last name, Mylon Lefebvre. Mylon Lefebvre grew up in Jacksonville, and he was outcast by the majority of conservative fundamental churches, but they put one of his famous, most famous songs in every Baptist hymn book in the world. And the, the name of the song is Without Him. And the song said, without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I'd be like a ship drifting without a sail. Jesus, oh, and he sang about dependency on God. And we need to get to the place where we understand, without him, we can do nothing. You wonder why your children are going out the way they're going out. You wonder why your relationships are what they are. You wonder why your money is what it is. You wonder why your head hurts all the time. You wonder why you can't do everything you believe God called you to do. You wonder why you don't have everything that God says you can have because you're trying to do stuff without him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, I know the heart of every true Christian in this room. The heart of every true Christian in this room is to honor God. The heart of every true Christian in this room is to be a good child, not a bad child. The heart of every true Christian in this room is to be what God wants them to be. And it ought to sadden you when you reflect on the parts of your life that aren't doing that. And you need to understand, I must be trying something without God. I must be trying to do this, that, or the third on my own. And we need to realize without him... I can do nothing. That's why I tell y'all, stop saying you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. If you ain't reading your Bible every day, sharing your faith every day, if you're not proclaiming the Lord's name every day, if you're not praising and worshiping him every day, if you're not paying tithes and offerings, if you don't live right, be right, do right, act right, serve right, give right, worship right, then you can't do anything. Got all these people walking around with these t-shirts. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No, Paul said he could do all things through Christ. Why could Paul do all things through Christ? Because he remained in Christ. He was totally dependent on Christ. Stop saying no weapon formed against me shall prosper when you're broke and sick. Evidently, something's prospering against you. Who can say nothing formed against me shall prosper? Those who are diligently following God and remaining in God. Because if you're hiding behind God, can nothing get you. But if you're out there on your own, wonder why ain't this working for me? Because Jesus already told us we can't do anything without him. We live in a world where people want the praise. We live in a world where people want to be told how awesome and powerful they are. We live in a world where people want to act like they've got this special, oh, son, I can't, oh, pastor, I can't wait till you meet my son. He's coming in this weekend. He's got a real, he's got an anointing on his life. What about you? Don't you have an anointing on your life? We got this mysticism tied in with, you know, the power of God. Every Christian ought to be operating in the power of God. That's not some special gold dust for God to sprinkle out on some people. It's for everybody not trying life on their own. And I want you, see, this is the reason why a lot of people never come to this church, because I want you to be introspective. I want you to look at yourself and and, and, and see what's really going on. I'm not, I'm not here to blow sunshine into you. I'm here to tell you the truth, and many times the truth hurts, but the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend, and that if a wise person gets corrected, they'll be even wiser, but if a fool gets corrected, they'll hate you. And if your life isn't going the way you want it to go, if you don't have everything you want to have, you need to just just be honest and say, you know what? I need to get God involved in that. I need to get God involved in every area of my life. In verse 6, He said, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now, a lot of people take that to think that they're going to go to hell. But it doesn't say anything about hell there. You say, well, it says burned. Right. And if you read in first Corinthians chapter three about the judgment of the believers, how your life will go through a fire and some will have nothing that comes out of it because they built on wood, hay and stubble, not gold, silver and precious stone. Get the tape. It's online for free. This is what's going to happen to people who weren't totally dependent on Jesus. Your life is just going to be useless. And everything you care about is not going to work out right. You might be able to force a few things to work out right. You might be able to, to strength of will and perseverance, get a couple of things to go in your favor. But God is not looking to bless people who aren't totally dependent on him. God wants him to get the glory, not us to get the glory. And I don't want you to get to the end of your life. As a Christian and go to the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says all of our works will be tried by fire and some will gain reward and some will suffer loss. You don't want to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ and be told everything you did, there's no reward for it because you didn't remain in me and you were doing all that on your own. See, you say, well, I don't know if without him I can do nothing. I can pick up this paper without him. you you should probably watch how you talk because he might take your arms off. I don't believe God's like, I don't know what God you're studying. Read the Bible. God is serious about his stuff. And you better not want to be a useless branch. Paul said the biggest fear he had in his whole life. Now, this is a man that God used to shake two continents for Christ and write over half of the New Testament. And he said his greatest fear was that having preached to others, he himself will become a castaway. He used used the word, uh, a Greek word, it was translated in the King James as reprobate, which means to be put on a shelf and not usable. Think about how many Christians are on a shelf right now, not usable. Oh, one one, one, one of the greatest wastes of a life is to not reach your potential. To not... Focus on God and depend on him to the point where you really can pray for people and see miracles happen. To focus on God and give it all to God. And, and you're like, well, I'm trying, Pastor. Listen, let's, let's stop, stop trying and just do it. The Bible says don't, don't, don't do things in word. Do them in deeds. No, is, we, we, we talk about a lot of stuff, but we need to get to it. Third thing and the last thing, that God wants us to bear much fruit because it gives him glory. I've told you before, I'm going to tell you again before we get out of here. God, hear me good, is a glory hog. Undeniable. God wants all of it, and he wants all of it unto himself. Now, if you know somebody who's a glory hog, then they're ashamed as a human being, and they ought to repent. But is God proper and correct? Correct. When he wants all the glory to himself? Absolutely, because he deserves all the glory to himself. Because there's nothing in us, what does the scripture say? In our flesh dwells what? No good thing. God is the only good thing. The Bible says there are none good, no, not one. Only God is good, and God wants all the glory. You get a raise on your job, you, you you ought to give God glory for it. You get fired on your job, you ought to give God glory for it. Up, down, good, bad, happy, sad. God wants the glory. And the way he told us in this passage that he gets much glory is when we bear much fruit. In verse 6, Jesus said, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. If I went around the room right now and said, tell me the last time you had a very specific prayer answered by God. Tell me the last time you prayed for a miracle and it happened. Do you all think everybody would have one or people might come up quiet? Some people to come up quiet. It ought to be the norm in the Christian's lives. You asked your father something, he gave it to you. But we got to do our part. He said, if you do this, then I will do that. Answered prayer ought to, ought to be happening all the time for the believer. Verse 8 says, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. When you produce much fruit, comma. What's the comma mean, church? Pause. Think about that. When you produce much fruit. Now, Jesus said that to make it obvious that there will be times in your life where you produce much fruit and times in your life when you don't produce much fruit. But when you do produce much fruit, he said, you're my true disciples. You're my real disciples. You're my one. Do you think Jesus would look at you in front of his father and say, that's my true right there. That's my one. The Bible says the eyes of God roam to and fro throughout the earth looking for one person whose heart is loyal to him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. You need to be that person for your family. You need to be that person for the people that live on your street. You need to be that person for this church. You need to be that person for the world to see there is still somebody holding on to Jesus. This is how it brings great glory to God. you got to decide, do you want your life to end up being a waste of time and useless? Or do you want to be one of the true disciples that gives great glory to God? If I asked you, does God deserve glory? We'd all say he does. But are you going to remain in him so he can get some out of you? Are you going to do what you need to do to where those nine things that the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 talk about are just dripping off your life. Everywhere you go, people are like, wow, that, that, this, 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 this is a good person right there. They're kind, patient, they're loving, peaceful. You feel good being around them. Or are you just going to keep banging your head into the wall wondering when it's going to work out for you? Well, if you want it to work out for you, remember what I told you. I told you God wants everybody to be saved. If you're not saved, You don't have to walk this aisle, pray a prayer with me, shake my hand. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. Everybody believes in Jesus. He's the most documented human being on the history of this planet. Our very timetable is built on his life. It's 2023 because of Jesus. It's B.C. and A.D. because of Jesus. But everybody doesn't believe that he raised Jesus. He was raised from the dead. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross, God raised him from the dead, gave him life, and his death and his blood and his suffering and sacrifice paid for the penalty of your sin, and you accept that payment and you put faith in him, you're going to have number one checked. You can be saved. Second thing I told you, God wants us to be totally dependent on him. I tell you all, every election time, it don't matter who wins. They're all in it together. And and, and, and ain't no no Republican going to come save you. No Democrat going to come save you. They've been making promises to people for for the whole time there had been politics. And none of them are any better than the the last one. We need to depend on God. See, we got a lot of people saying, Ain't the Lord all right? (laughs) Ain't the Lord all right? Well. I saw the Lord. Huh? And they're talking, ain't he a, a bad axe church? Huh? Well, ain't he a shelter? in a t-? And ain't nobody hiding? If you're not hiding in him, what difference does it make if he's a shelter in a time? Of so- what difference does it make if he's a bad axe if you're not hiding behind him and letting him fight your battles for you? Get totally dependent on him. And I told you, God wants us to bear much fruit. Because it gives him glory. God does not want to bless you for you. And until you understand that, you will have a useless life and a meaningless life and a miserable existence. When you understand the reason why God wants to bless you, see, what we say is God blesses us to be a blessing. Okay? But here's the greater truth theologically. God blesses us. To make himself look good. But well, what kind of God is that? The only God that exists. He blesses his children. Hey, it's the same way. It's the same. Why do you think parents that can dress their children up in oshkosh kosh, bagosh. Why do you think parents that can buy buy their one-year-old $200 LeBron's that they're going to grow out of in a month and a half? You think it's because they think their kid cares? No, they want people to know, oh, your parents got money. God wants to dress you up and shine you. God wants to make you a trophy of his on display so that the world will say, Your God is good to you. Pharaohs, kings, evil hearted people throughout the history of the scripture. When they would see somebody like a Daniel. And they didn't believe in Daniel's God until they saw God do something amazing. They're like, I'm with the God of Daniel. You start letting people see God do something amazing in your life. They're going to be with the God you're with. We don't represent him the way we should. But the good news is we've still got breath. And God said, if you will return to me, I will receive you to myself. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son who gives us life. Thank you for your spirit who dwells inside us. And God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Help us, God, depend more on you. Than the government. Help us depend more on you than our ability. Help us to depend more on you than money. You are God alone, and there's no one like you. We confess our sin to you today, God, and we ask you to forgive us where we failed you. Renew us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.